0: Well, today it's God's design for all husbands. In chapter 5, verse 25 to the end, let's read the text first and then we'll look at it. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the Word, and to present her to himself a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body. But he feeds and he cares for it, just as Christ does the church. We are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Well, God's design for all husbands i reminded, men, that oftentimes, uh, we start off very well doing this. We begin well. About midway through, I don't know, we get distracted, sloppy, we're not focused, and uh, we don't often do very well with this thing. We begin well. We often don't uh, give the same oomph uh, that we gave to winning our girlfriends to be our wives as to draw our wives close to us in the years after, do we? I mean, there is something about that. I remember when Sarah came of age, we had boys hanging around the house like stray dogs. I was always shooing them away. They were driving me crazy. They'd be calling on the phone, they'd be driving over, and then if she seemed to show some attention to one of them, they'd be hanging around the house forever. You know, like, don't you need to be somewhere? You know, (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I mean, just we just go the extra mile. Faithy's dad was like that. Here he comes again. I can't believe he's going to eat my food again. You know? <laughs> just, we get, I mean, we're there. We're focused. You know, like, we're going to win them to be our lovers, right? Our wives. And then bit by bit, what happens? I don't know. We slip into neutral or something. You ever have a transmission go where it's sort of like, yeah. And uh, that's not God's plan and program. You need to hear that. Now I know these messages are doubly convicting because if you are married, not all of you are, and that's okay. But some of you might be married in the future, and uh, if you are married, you're sitting, and if your spouse is there, you know, you know you fail, and she knows you fail too. So it's sort of like, you know, is it the Holy Spirit or my wife that I'm feeling this conviction from, you know? So... You, so I know that. Here's a man that began well. I love this. And I've, I've mentioned this before, but it's just so cute. This guy began well. Marriage proposal made in the pasta aisle. This is out of Hope, Hopewell Township, New Jersey. It was in the paper. Attention shoppers. Cosmetics aisle one. Love struck boyfriend aisle eight. While Robin Howell and L. Miller were getting some last-minute party items on Christmas Eve, the supermarket's assistant manager came... Over the loudspeaker, he said, Attention, please, attention. I have a very important announcement from Miss Robin Howell. Al Miller loves you very much. and He wants to give you an early Christmas present. Assistant Manager John Crowan, Jr. continued, He's waiting for you on aisle number 8 to propose to you. Please proceed to aisle 8 in an orderly fashion. <laughs> I love that. Howell, who was in aisle one looking at beauty aids when the announcement was made, was met in aisle eight by Miller, a throng of friends, relatives, curious shoppers, and ShopRite employees. There between the tomato sauce and the pasta, Miller got down on one knee and proposed. I love you, he, res- he said. Miller said he hatched the plan because Howell gets her groceries at ShopRite and will remember that moment each time she returns, he planned the romantic ambush for two weeks with Cronin in cahoots. Now, uh, that's a man who began very well, right? Amen? No lady said amen. All right, okay, you get what you deserve. Okay. God's designed for all husbands. You know, the Lord is the greatest lover of all. He is sometimes that such distortion of the Lord our God exists in in pulpits and uh, in seminaries and in the hearts and minds of people, in the media. I'm telling you, the Lord God is the great lover of all. None are even close. Forget Romeo and Juliet or any other human being. And you know the Bible is really the great love story. It is the great love story. I know some of us Grew up hearing love story. Remember that? And then she died at Tiffany's, right, breakfast and all those. And they got the movies right. And Anyway, that, that's not the great love story. That's not the great love book. It's the Bible, for it tells of God's great love for sinful men and women. All of us were born that way. That's the way you were born. You might have been cute, but you were sinful. You might have giggled, and, oh, isn't he beautiful, and, no The eyes only and face a mother could love, right? But you were sinful, just like me. The Bible tells of God's great love story for us and the depths that he was willing to go to rescue. That's the right word. Rescue you and me from our sinful plight. For we were headed to hell from the moment we were conceived unless he would rescue us from the penalty of our sin. Well, in marriage, a husband is commanded... Men to be the picture of God's love. That's what you are. That's what I am. And we are to do that by the way we love our wives. Incidentally, your love for your wife is paramount. It's not your love for your children, as important as that is, that's far secondary. Some people will get that all wrong. I said that before. Dr. Laura Slesinger, some of you used to listen to her, and in her writing, she has it wrong. She, she says, it's for the love of the children. And she goes on and on and on to wax about that, but that's not really true. The prim- priority is the love between a husband and wife. And you know what? Raising children is a chapter. And Faith and I have lived now long enough to see that it's a chapter that ends. I mean, it changes, but, you know, our closest uh, child is 500 miles away. We're thankful for Verizon most of the time. And... <laughs> And Sarah and, and, and lives in one direction, 740 miles, and Jonathan's in Milwaukee, another 740. And that's a chapter of our life. It's she and I. And I'm glad that uh, through the years, we had a date night. And we've nurtured our relationship. And now the nest is empty. And, uh, and I love this woman increasingly. And we have a life together. And we've built that. You know, someone said, men, you pretty well get the kind of wife that you've been building for years. You wake up and discover someday, "I don't like her, I don't know her." get, "Where in the world have you been? What have you been doing? You get the kind of wife you've been building. What are you building? What are you up to? You're building everything else, but maybe, you know, that which is really high priority. It takes an investment of time, energy. And resources, resources, it takes that. Well, you're commanded to love your wife. God's design for men is to love their wives. Men are to be lovers. This is God's role for you. It's different from the wife's role, different, equal, but distinctively unique, different, different. You're to be a lover of your wife. Men, you must know your part. Imagine the confusion that would occur on a football field where no one knew a specific responsibility. I got news for you. I I played football for seven years, organized. i have been in huddles like that. You say to the wide receiver, where in the world were you going? (laughs) Oh, I was running a post pattern. I was running a, you know, or... You know, on and on and again. You, you know, you hit the fullback in the hel- helmet because he didn't pick up, he didn't pick up, you know, the linebacker who was coming in. What are you doing? He cleaned my clock. Well, I, uh, yeah, I thought it was a three hole run, this and that, and nah, wake up. You know, I'm getting killed back here, or that. You know what I mean? We, they all have a distinct responsibility. You got a play where you're pulling the guards like the old Cleveland Brown, I used to love watching Jimmy run. And your guards would pull, the two would lead him around. Oh, it was beautiful. They knew their play. They knew where they needed to be. Imagine that. If that, that no one knew what their role was, It'd be a mess. You'd be playing like the Bills played last year. It's terrible. <laughs> terrible. Imagine if it's a business setting and nobody had a job description. Oh, wouldn't that be fun? People tend to meander all over the place and want to help you do your job half the time anyway. Get out of here. This is my job. People like to know definition. This is my job. I want to do it well, right? There's just no, hey, just show up and just kind of do whatever you feel like doing, you know. All that, well, we make a good profit doing that. People kill each other, you know. They want to know their place, and they want it defined. Well, God has not left us without definition in the marriage. And I'm thankful for that. When in doubt, read the manual. This is the manual. God knows what he's doing, and he knows how it best works. Well, you must know your part. Well, real oneness comes in marriage, this oneness of, uh, that God has made his husband and wife know and accept and fulfill They're varying but complementary responsibilities. And furthermore, as I thought about this all, I wrote this down. God made most men with the need to love a woman. You know that? Really, made most men. Not not all men are to be married, but most. But he's made all men with the need. That's not too strong, to love a woman. It deeply satisfies us, doesn't it, men? to be a woman's hero, and to meet her needs, and to care for her. I'm not, you know, it's not, it's, she's not another guy. She's not one of the other guys. Tough it up, you know, suck it up, you know, and all that. She isn't, she's never meant to be. She's to be cared for, and we're gonna see what this involves as we look at uh, this God's design for all husbands. Three descriptions of the love that you as a husband must shower, shower upon your wife. For I remind you, your primary role to her is not leader, though you're the leader. It's not leader. You're the head. That's that leader. We talked about that. It's not that, but primarily you're to be a lover. And she, I promise you, will flourish if you love her like this. You treat her harshly, you treat her like a man, don't be surprised when she in time is like a man, or mannish. She will be that way. You won't have to kill her snakes. I'll take care of this one. You know? Yeah, really. And guys wonder, how come my wife's not very feminine? She doesn't take care of herself, she doesn't dress feminine, she's just any old thing, and it looks like the guys down at the locker room. Shouldn't be that way. It's the way you've been treating her. You are her lover. Now, real quickly, the three descriptions that Paul's going to give us: uh, first is that your love to her is to be sacrificial. You're to die to yourself in caring for her. Second, it's a purifying love in the day of a great impurity and, and and all that. It's to be a love that is pure. And finally, it's to be a love that's caring. It's to be exuding with your personal touch and care for her. That's what Paul is telling us. God is telling us through his his pen here. So in in verse 25, the first one, your love for her must be sacrificial. God uh, tells us men with a command, love your wives, plural, Husbands, love your wives. Now, the sense of this is that we're to love with a never-ending love. It's a present present, uh, imperative. It means it's a command. It's not optional. We're not ordering pepperonis or anchovies or the pizza. I'll take this, but not that. No, no, it's not optional. It's not conditional. It's a command. Last time I looked, he's God and king, and when he commands, that's it. It's not like, Lord, can we talk about this? No way. And it's in the present tense, and when the command in the Greek is in the present tense, it means you are to love her right now, and tomorrow is right now, and the next day is right now, and the idea is forever. That's the way you're to love your wife. That's the command. It's forever. And, 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 it, and like God knew we needed a two-by-four, men sometimes need that. Did, have you ever noticed that? Maybe a two-by-ten Maybe bigger. So, Ramona, do you want to tell us a testimony here at this point? (laughs) No testimony. All right. Uh, God uses a two-by-four in case we don't get it. I mean, it must be like slow class or something, because three times in these few few verses he says it. I mean, it's just... It's it's not really fair, because what we saw last week... In verse 22, for the chief thing for the wife, the word submit doesn't even appear. It's so strong in 21, to the wives, to your husband. But you get to the men, and so I guess it's like God says, I'm not going to miss this word here. And in fact, three times, he whacks us in the head and the heart. Do you get it? It's like, Lord, I think you got my attention now. And you can check it out. Get verse 25, 28, and 33. Love your wife. Each one is a command. The first in, in 20 and in verse 25, it says, Christ loved the church. And then in verse 28 and verse 33, love your wife as you already love yourself. He says, it puts it that way. Wow. Okay. I see the light. Someone says, when you feel the heat, you see the light. And uh, and that's his point here. Furthermore, the the word that's used for love, agape, most of us are somewhat familiar with, uh, with the Greek word agape, agape. It's a form of the word agape, and it describes the way that God loves. And most of us know John 3.16. That's the exact word, agapazo. For God so loved the world, that's God the Father, that he gave his only begotten Son, and whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So it's the same word. There are different words for love in the Greek, and this is the same. This is the love that's to be continual, sense forever that God calls a husband in his love for his wife. So be your love for her must not be the domineering type. There's some men that, that seem to teach that. One German guy said, Listen, I love you, and if it ever changes, you'll be the first to know. Don't expect me to be saying I love you all the time. I'll tell you if it changes. That guy was not too bright and and a lot less, right? It's not to be this domineering, macho, we used to use that word a lot, type, but one that involves self-sacrifice. And, of course, uh, Jesus is our example in this. He loved the church so much, the text says, that he gave himself up for her, that he died. That's the ultimate point of submission, really, to the Father's will. He died for the church. There's the example. Now, someone has said, thinking about this, men, you know, you love your wife, you say enough to die for her, but do you love her enough to really live for her? That's the greater test. And we ought to do that, even as Christ as our example. A husband's sacrificial love is described as number two, not for what she can do for me. A lot of people get married that way. Oh, I love her. She makes me feel so good. Oh, she makes me feel so fine. Right? People get married. And the bride will say that too. It's, a, it's, it's some of that, you know, but that's not the love here. The love that a husband is there for his wife is the kind of love that is self-sacrificial, not for what she can do for me, but what I can do for her. It's a self-denying love that is the picture of Christ's love for us. Notice, this this kind of love is far more than a feeling. You may be hooked on a feeling, right? But... uh, that is not the be all end all test of love you do the right thing, you do this, and you you shower her with the kind of love that God commands you and I to do that. I guarantee your feelings will follow your actions they will i 've spent many counseling hours with with couples that just you know have oh, the feeling believe me is gone, and sometimes they They'll say, "Well, that then we ought to get, we ought to end it." You know, I said, "No, we we got to start up again." What do you mean, start up again? Well, the world gives the idea. Feeling's gone, I'm gone too, baby. No, no, wait a minute. Let's do this God's way. First of all, there needs to be a wholesale f- forgiveness of sin and all the junk that's gotten here that you've not dealt with. Let's begin at ground zero. Then let's begin to treat each other and do what we need to do. And I talked to the men about. You better be showering her with self-sacrificial love. Well, you know, I don't think she'll respond. Well, she may never, but you need to do it God's way and woo her back. Let's think about some practical ways that you can do that. It may take a long time, but as you pray and you be the man that you ought to be, come on, grow up in this thing. That God may give her a heart and emotionally will respond to you with the feeling that we're talking about here. But love her that way. Love her that way. You're commanded to do that. Start again. Start again. Have you ever noticed a lot of life is starting again? Proverbs says in uh, 24, 16, a righteous man falls seven times, and he gets up. Get up and start again. It doesn't matter if you struck out. There you struck out seven times. Get up. Start again. You're still warm and breathing. You're still there's the the cl- the clock's not out. You're still here. You can be the man, the woman that God desires you to be. Start up and do it. Well, it's a deliberate act of the will, isn't it? It's voluntary. And it is always evidenced by giving. God so love. That he gave. Now, there is a verse. Uh, did we get 1 John 3.16 down? Did we get that? that? Let's see what that looks like. First, look at 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. It's the same word there. And in the context of the family, men, that's the way we ought to love. It's not a feeling. It involves giving, It's the love that gives. It gives and it gives. It's not an emotion. It's something you do. And it takes a real man. Did you hear me? It takes a real man to love a woman this way. A real man in a day of gross role confusions. This is what God says the role for the husband is. To be the chief lover like Christ. Though the picture is imperfect of Christ's love for the church, it ought to be just this way. And it's not based on the issue of attraction. I'm just not attracted to her anymore. You need a good swift kick in the behind is what you need. If not more. You know, you're no piece of cake. You know, I, I mean, I, you can't, you can't I, I could tell you a story. I want to strangle people sometimes, you know. In a sanctified way. <laughs> I just, you know, wow. Remember, it's not a case of deserving. She doesn't deserve it. Big deal. You don't deserve the love of Christ, do you? Lord, here I am. I deserve your love. I don't think so. It's to be that kind of love, it's never earned. We did not deserve that. So I ask, husband, when's the last time you made sacrifice for your your wife by dying to your desires, and doing something she wanted to do. Really surprise her, take her out on a date, and, and kind of get some options in mind, but think about what it is that she might want to do, rather than you. And when you're talking about something, you say, you know, I think we ought to do what you want to do. She knows what you want to do, they know us better than a book. They study us. We're still sort of a mystery a little bit, but they know that. And for you to deny yourself, to say, I want to do what you want to do. I want to do what makes you happy. I'm telling you, as you give your life away, that's really living. Jesus said that. Give your life away that way. And your life will be filled with an abundance. It's the only way to live, really is to give. Well, it's sacrificial. Second description of this love that you men ought to have if you're married as a husband or if you will be for your wife. It's a purifying love. Verses 26 and 7 again, describing Christ's love for his bride, the church. Christ died, what, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word. That's the scripture. Present her to himself, a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, holy and blameless. It's the, it's the picture of the beauty of the bride as she's in, in all her beautiful dress and garb as she's uh, about to be given to her husband in that uh, ceremony uh, there in all her beauty. Not one stain or wrinkle or spot on that garment. It's the picture of that. Uh, he's talking about, uh, uh, by way of illustration, men, the way you ought to love your wives. It ought to be with a purifying love. Christ, a uh, love so greatly displayed at Calvary, was given to make us as the church pure and holy. Pure in a day that's very unimpure, right? Uh, unholy. Uh, trashy day. Uh, everywhere you look, it is. And so be husband, you are to love your wife with this kind of love. It's a, it's a love that seeks and protects her purity. doesn't expose her to the ugliness and the vileness of life or the decadency and the culture in which we live. It, it protects her from that. Love protects. We know what that is. We know what that is. Uh, particularly with our children, right? We shield them. You can, never, you can never isolate children. You cannot do that. They have other friends and so on, and sooner or later, the rough winds of reality hit them. They see what it is. But during the formative years, you, 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 you shield them from, from the ugliness uh, of living life in a sinful world. You, you do that. It, love protects it protects our children. And men, in a different venue, as a, as a coequal with your wife, shield her and protect her. It's a, it's a purifying love. I saw, maybe you saw, it was, it's kind of unrelated, but it does make the case. I saw on Fox News, when I was getting dressed the, uh, the other day in the morning. It was kind of a bizarre thing where... Um, the Fox News gal was uh, Megan was interviewing this woman, a young woman, probably in her late twenties, in Chicago, and she was, uh, I believe, a college graduate, and uh, had lost her job and had taken up dancing, at uh, at uh, at nightclubs, you know, where they were she took off her clothing and all, and it was kind of an in- interesting uh, interview in that the woman Megan interviewing her. I really sense there was a lot of transparency where she was saying, well, financially, I was against the wall, I didn't have anything to do, I had to pay my mortgage. Now, God, let me insert, God, it's never, it's never right to do wrong. All right? She was kind of making an excuse that way. So uh, there are other options. But she was saying, like, well, that's all I could do. And so she continued to interview her. She was saying, as one woman interviewer to the other, saying, well, don't you think it's you know, kind of odd to take your clothes off? I mean, how did you feel about that? and All this kind of thing. And, 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 the, uh, and the, 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 the stripper was saying, well, it was hard at first. I couldn't do it, and I worked the floor, and if, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and then Megan says to her, like, well, like how long do are you, are you, you think you're going to do this? And she said, well, no more than a year, May, uh, no more. It, it, but she did say this, and I thought, like, whoa, isn't that true? It was harder at first, but it's gotten easier. Oh, I thought, oh, that's sin. Isn't that sin? And then she asked her, aren't you afraid this is going to mess up your resume? I mean, how do you put that down? Previous employer? You know, if you want a sort of serious job? And Megan asked her about that. And then here's the thing that connects with the sermon. She said, well, how will you explain this someday to your children? And would you ever want this for your daughter? She said instantly, Never. Never, never. And I thought, like, here she is intuitively saying, I would never want my daughter doing this. What? love protects. She's hanging out over the edge, doing what she shouldn't be doing. But she, thinking about her own family or her own little one, she would protect and shelter from. And we know what that is when we think about our children. We protect them. In a different venue, it's the same idea That love protects. And so men, you you and I need to protect our wives from impurity and the things that will cause them to sin in the day in which we live. And there's a proliferation of sin everywhere. And that's the way we are to love. It protects. John MacArthur wrote, uh, and I quote on your sheet, when a man loves his wife, her purity should be his supreme concern. No one ever desired to defile a person whom he really loved. Never. I think he's right. A young man says he loves his fiancee, that he wants to have sex with, uh, but uh, but he wants her to have sexual relationship with him before marriage. Well, that is not driven by love at all, is it? It's not self-denying. It's not pure. It's not love, it's lust. You know the difference between love and lust, right? Love gives, love self-denying, love protects, love is purifying. Lust takes. Lust is selfish to the core. They both begin with L, love and lust, completely opposites. Don't be confused in that. We can all be sucked into that. Love and lust. That's not love. That's lust. Love honors. It protects the purity of its object. Wow. Men, don't do anything that would defile your wife. All things. Don't even push her buttons to make her angry so that she would sin in anger and be in a rage. Uh, She's responsible. I know that. But don't push the buttons that lead her down that path. Protect her. In all areas, striving to to create a love that is pure. I mean, we live in a day where everyone's concerned about purity and the environment, right? Pure water. I'm not drinking any of that tap stuff. Who knows what's floating in it? I got news for you. You know, I read this is really tap water. They make a lot of money doing this. That may be a, a job for some of you guys. Just keep collecting these things and fill them up at the tap. <laughs> some places, they get a couple dollars for those. How about that? Purity in the water, They're a big fight over in the west shore. They're going to put I don't know what it is, ammonia in the water. some judge is going to decide, "Well, we don't want any of that. impurities. Purity in the air, right? Pretty soon, nobody will be working, nobody'd be burning any open flames, and we'll all be in the dark, right? What but there's a balance there. we need to take care of the environment and be responsible. I realize that purity in the food. I heard the terrible story this week. Did you read that? I saw it in the New York Times that uh some of the v a hospitals i don't I don't know uh, if you guys saw that, Larry or Shelley, down far away, they didn't sterilize um, they didn't sterilize some of the instruments. Uh, in in uh, testing the uh, the veterans, and they were guessing ten thousand veterans may have been contaminated with with equipment that had not been properly sterilized, and numbers were coming down with hepatitis B and hepatitis C. What a horrible thing, horrible thing! Why it should have been sterilized? Uh, you mean the instruments aren 't pure. And we're all concerned about that, and rightfully so. The environment, health, our food supply, the air we breathe, all that. But how about our relationship with our wife? Our love ought to be a purifying love. More important than the others, as important as they all are, but more important. We're to love her, even as Christ loved the church, holy, cleansing her, and so on. Don't lead her into sin. Men, uh, look at this. Uh, uh, You should be an example to her of purity. One man writes, draw her near to the Lord and pour virtue into her life. Isn't that good? You be her example in that. You set the pace. You set the pace. A love that's pure. Expose your dear wife to the word of God. This will cleanse her and keep her clean. Men, you ought to be the one saying, uh, tomorrow's church. We ought not to be up till 1 a.m. We'll be sleeping in the pew, or some of us won't get up. You need to set the pace and be the leader, the lover in your home. Love your wife and children enough. You set the pace. I grew up in a home where my father was completely absent on this. But you need to do that. Set the pace. She'll love you for it. she not be in the wife saying, hey, honey, don't forget there's church tomorrow. Oh, yeah, that's right, I forgot. What in the world? Where, where, what are you thinking about? You know, it'd be the highlight of your week. You need to prepare yourself. Lead them. Get them ready. Get them in the car. Get them here on time. Your responsibility, lovingly lead them in that. Your love ought to be a purifying love. You ought not be in the car screaming at her because she's putting on her makeup and you comes out five minutes late and you're laying on the horn. That's your responsibility. Get everybody up earlier and going. Read that way as Christ led the church. The third and final way in which this love that we ought to have is described is, is that it's a caring love. In verse 28, 29, and 30, in the same, same way, husbands, love your wives as your own bodies. He loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and he cares. King James says he... Uh, He cherishes, he nourishes, and he cherishes it just as Christ does the church where we are members of his body. Your love for her must be a caring love. You are to love your wife as you love your own body. That doesn't mean, like I often say, I wish I was six foot three, you know. That doesn't mean that, or this size, or that size, or I wish I wasn't bald, or I wish I had this color, or that, or whatever. I wish I had brown eyes, not blue. You know, we we, all that, right? That's not what he's talking about. He means, look, you you care for your body, right? You care for it. Just the way you care for your body, you show your love for your body. Care for your wife. Care for her. That's a real simple analogy. What do you mean? You care for you. If you're hungry, I got news for you. And if you don't have time, you're driving through Burger King. Give me a Whopper with cheese. Yeah, throw the fries in. You know, you know what? You're hungry. You just don't go days and days without eating, do you? Most of you look like you don't. No, you don't. You haven't. <laughs> so I'm hungry. I'm hungry. It drives Faithy e. wild. Sometimes I'll see her in, uh, you know, middle. Of the, I might be running over to get my swim in, and she's at Talbot's and I'll. I'll, go, I'll be, if she's over. I'll be, what's for dinner? You know, like, <laughs> I don't know. It's a big thing to a guy. What's for, you know? <laughs> some of you cook, Dave. I know, Dave, you take care of that, but uh, some of the rest, but you're hungry. You feed yourself. What? what else? If you're thirsty, give me a drink. If you're sick, eh, some of you don't go to a doctor. But you know, eventually you will. If you're bad enough, you'll find medical help. Some of you say, I'm not going to a doctor. That leads to the funeral home. I know where that leads. I'm not (laughs) going. No, you do. You you get medical care, right? You, You take your body down to the gym, right? You sweat a little for Jesus or something. I don't know what they're doing down there. But you get on there, you lift a little, you swim a little, you run a little. You do something, right, to take care of that body. That's what he means. You take care of it just as you do that. Care for your wife. That's what he's saying. That's an easy picture. man. we can see it. It's simple. B, just as you're preoccupied with meeting your own needs, so meet the needs of your wife. You're now one flesh, and her needs are yours. Your needs, she needs you to care for her now and forever, and she needs the security. She needs that security. She wants to know. You know, most of us hound our, our girlfriends. They weren't our girlfriends. They didn't even like us to begin with. And we wore them down, didn't we? And all of a sudden they get blinded and they sort of love us. It's amazing, the process. We hang around long enough and we wear them down, right? And she's wondering, does he really love me? Will he really love me forever? Will he love me when... You know, this and that happened to my body. Will they love me when I get a bad report from the cancer doctor, breast cancer or something? Will he leave me then? You know, a lot of, of less than men do that kind of nonsense. They're, they ought to be ashamed of themselves. You know, ter- when you get a diagnosis of terminal illness is one of the big, biggest things that leads up to divorce, yeah, take those men out to the barn and, and do something to them. I have really no patience with that. I mean, the hour that they really needed to show up and be a man. They're like, oh, my secretary, she's younger and prettier and I don't have to worry about chemo. Needs a two-by-12 right in the head. You know, Faith and I often say, it's so horrible, the sin that men and women do to each other. It's so grievous. (laughs) So utterly painful. The tears. It should never be, in the love relationship of a husband and wife should never, ever be, ever. You know, Peter, at, or, or let me back up, one of the simplest yet most neglected ways of communicating love, man, is by your words. Just say, I love you. I love you. Some husband treat those words like they're dirty words. They almost never say them. Say, I love you. I told Faith uh, in preparation for the message, and I'm sure it happened, but I can never remember a time when my German father ever said that to my mother. Now, I know he did. and My mother was very understanding of my father, raised in a broken home, raised in military school. German, you know, we show our love by what we do. And, 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 and actions do speak louder. I used to hear that all the time than words. But uh, it's, it's sad, right, you know? But, you know, and that may have been your case. So what? Grow up. We all start at a certain place. Don't die there. Take the best and build on it by God's grace. There are no perfect parents. I got news for you. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. We, none of us had it. Grow up. Grow in these areas. Grow your love is to be a caring love, caring for the needs of your wife forever, and your wife needs those words. I love you. Now, here's a test. Ladies, here's a test. Can your man ever say, I love you too much? Like, like, like saying, if you say that again, I am so tired of hearing that. Now, really, can they say, I'm just fed up with it. Don't say it again. Now, raise your hand if that's ever been your case, Right? I want to talk to you. I want your autograph because I've never found any lady. but uh, we're, I don't know what we're looking at. we're looking at the flies or something. I don't know what guys were thinking about. You know, like, oh yeah, I love you too. You get know, us half-hearted. you know. How about being the initiators? God made us to be the initiating, loving leaders. It's that way anatomically, man is the initiator, woman is the receiver. She's the responder. Get in the game. There's Something more important than the Phillies. Sorry, David. Than the Steelers or even the Bills. Get in the game. Use those words. I mean, they're like magic words. But mean them. She'll know in an instant if you're phony baloney. I don't know how that is. They have like little antennas here. I don't know what it is. It's the, God has given it for their own defense. You don't really mean it. Well, I do. I said it. You know, I don't know how that works. Really mean it. Really think it through and, and say it. Well, Peter adds in 1 Peter 3.7 that husband's love for his wife needs to be three things. Considerate, chivalrous. That means you're a gentleman. Be a gentleman. She's not another guy. Open the door for her. Every time you do that, you say, I'm a man, you're a woman, and I love taking care of you. That doesn't mean you have to open every door for her all the time, but make it your effort to do it. Do that. And sweet communion. Don't you love that song of songs, 516? This is my beloved, my friend. Wow, that's beautiful. This is my beloved, my friend result of living with her in an understanding, considerate way. Let me give you just a few more thoughts on that 1 Peter 3, 7 passage. To live with her with consideration means uh, to live with her in an understanding way. It's the opposite of how you treat other men or the caveman mentality. You know, the grunting and the groaning and all that nonsense. B, uh, the consideration means it's incompatible. Uh, with an independent, proud, and a self-absorbed macho spirit, that's not consideration. Uh, another, it uh, it calls for sensitivity and understanding. Yes, you can be a man with uh, with huge guns and biceps and muscles, and there's nothing more wonderful than stooping to help and care for your wife. It's masculine to the to the nth degree. In fact, let me put it in a little different setting. Men, lest you think it's not for a man, a real man, to hold a little baby, is there anything more helpless? It is a picture of beautiful masculinity. Now, God gave our wives as mothers, and they're built for that and better at that, of course, but nothing more masculine than that. And in a greater degree, taking care of your wife that way. It's masculine, it's considerate. And last, it, uh, this consideration involves a sincere effort to understand her feelings. I know it's a never-never land, and it seems like it's lost. It's scary sometimes for a guy. We won't say that because we're not supposed to be afraid. But uh, you're, give, it, give it the gung-ho to understand her feelings, her fears, her worries. She worries about everything. Women do. They want everything to be right with everybody. It's impossible. I get exhausted thinking about it. But faith is that way at every, every one moment. Everything's got to be well with all the kids and the granddaughters. Wow. Oh, man. And she worries about that. And women do. Her, you, you need to know her dreams and her desires, her goals and concerns. That's consideration. What chivalry mean? Well, she's the weaker vessel. That means only physically and only from the navel up. Here down, the, the, the muscles and the legs are, are equal of size and weight to a man. But the upper body strength, and so that means you need to take care of her physically. Faith does this thing trying to open the jars, which is, seems, I, I, I don't get it because I wasn't raised that way, but she'll uh, try and open a jar that won't open, and she reaches over on the tile floor and she bangs on it, and just know someday it's going to break all over the place and that doesn't always work does it dear so she'll she calls for her muscle man to come over honey can you come over and open that you know and so, most of the time it comes out pretty easy but if it's really hard i still try and smile like oh this was nothing this was light work you know <laughs> somebody glued this at the factory you know <laughs> but i'm taking care of her see you know, that kind of thing. Treat her with gentleness. Open the door when you're moving the furniture around. Don't say, honey, that overstuffed thing, push it to the left a little. <laughs> you know, she wants me to do that. I can do that. I'm built for that. And doing the heavy work around the house, you know. Serve her with your strength. That's what it's there for. That's really what it's there for. Use it. Okay, she, she uh, you're her hero. Step up to the plate and be that. In communion, you know, your spiritual equals, best of friends, friendship is what he's talking about. Well, lessons for our life. Let's, the first one, and, and we're going to pass out those sheets. Dave, let's pass out, we have a, we have to do this or the ladies would never forgive me because we did it last week. So it's equal time now for the men. But the step number one is, if you're going to have a great marriage, you have to be a Christian. I grew up in a mixed marriage home with my dad, not being saved all those years. And I know the pain of that. You, men, you must be saved. You're lost. There's a real hell. There's a real Satan. And life is short. Christ paid it all. You must receive him as your Lord and Savior. Every one of us, young and old, doesn't matter, rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you're healthy or sick. Receive the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. All right, let's look at this practical wisdom sheet. And uh, just to get you guys talking, maybe a good thing just to go home and talk about the, these kind of things. Maybe you disagree. But uh, let's look at it. Number one, men, your wife feels close to you when? You hold her hand. I hope you do that. That's not just when you're dating. When you hug her. Hugs are great. You're affectionate without sexual intentions. She really wonders about that, you know. Why is he hugging me? I know what he's thinking. (laughs) You know, you get old enough, you can just say it. You might as well. The whole world's saying it, right? Hug her with no other motive. She'll probably well. We'll leave that one. You are you are with her alone, so you can focus on each other and laugh together. You gotta you gotta nurture that. You Gotta develop that, and keep developing that. See, I did that two weeks ago. Now you're behind. Then you're alone, uh, You you don't do anything that res. Uh, you do anything that results in togetherness. Go for a walk or a jog. Walking's good. Walking's good, you, you end up talking. Ladies, get your men out walking. It's something about when they walk, the lips move. I know a lot of times the ladies are the man doesn't talk that much, but it, it, it'll help. Try that. Walk together, jog together. You seek her out, set up a date. Plan the thing, can I say that? Don't go like, oh, where do you wanna go? I don't know, where do you wanna go? Like, Uh, you just lost out as the loving leader. Plan the thing out. Plan a getaway. Do it. Do it periodically. You'll have a spicy marriage. You will. You will. I never know what he's going to do. Keep her guessing. Keep her guessing. Don't be so predictable. Life is too short. Variety is the spice of life, right? You make it a priority. spend time with her. You suggest the unexpected. I meant, and it's a good unexpected there, okay? <laughs> Look at number two. Your wife feels you're open whether her when you share your feelings. Yes, men really do have feelings, and share those with her, telling her about your day and your difficulties, your disappointments. Talk to her about that. I know there's a sense where we want to protect our wives, men, from a lot of that, but perhaps we don't talk as much as we should. She craves to know that. When, you face, uh, when your face shows you want to talk, good eye contact is a must. Look them in the eyes, right in the eyeballs, right? Nowhere else, not at the newspaper, not one eye on the TV. Keep there. Can you... Can you, can you Can you finish that at the next commercial? Not not good, okay? Not not good. Turn the thing off, look in the eye, and get close. Look in the eye. That is a good one. Oh, Pray with her. Pray with her. She'll know you love her. Draw her close and pray. I got news for you, man. You're going to discover things going on in her heart and life you didn't even know about. Pray with her. If you're whiffing. If you don't say, well, oh, I don't, just start. Hold her close and pray. You don't have to do the pastoral prayer. Please, leave that. Leave that for me. It gives me something to do. Just lead her that way. <laughs> when you say, let's talk, asking her for what she is feeling and ask for her opinions. She'll love, her, love you for that. When you give her full, your full attention, no grunting responses while reading or watching TV. Okay? Full attention. Wow. You'll fill her cup. You'll fill her top. I mean, you'll fill it full. Number three, your wife will feel you're trying to understand her when, when you listen. And don't try and fix her problems. We talked about that last week. I know it's a different way of thinking. But, uh, but just listen to her when you never dismiss her feelings feelings count here are the old the old married woman many many years married her husband's and feelings count too dear her feelings do matter when you don't interrupt her when she's telling you how she feels you have to help her unpack her emotions Something I've learned, probably not too long ago. You have to help them unpack that. It's a good way to think about it. And sometimes they'll repeat, say, we already said that three times." They're trying to unpack that, and sort that out, and she'll, it will draw her to yourself. When you apologize, and admit you were wrong. You know, you, you get taller. It, you know, honey, when I did that, what a what an idiot I am! What a fool! She knows it. <laughs> please forgive me. Make make your make your repentance enormous. How could you love a? You should have married that. She's thinking, yeah, I probably should have. You know, <laughs> just please forgive me. Seek that out so there's nothing between you when you wrong her. When you try to keep your relationship up to date, resolving the unresolved and never say, just forget about it, forget about it. When you forgive her for any wrong she confesses, I mean, you let it go. When you never nurse bitterness, Colossians says, men, do not be bitter against your wives. Don't nurse it and always assure her of your love. She needs that. And when you pray with her after a hurtful time. Number five, your wife will be assured of your loyalty when when what? When you speak highly of her in front of others. And let me say something, men. Some of you are close to your moms and dads, and that's good. I've said it how many times? You better defend your wife before your mother and your family. You better. You're not mama's boy anymore. And she, your mom needs to know that, and your wife will be hanging out there, exposed. If your mama thinks she should have done a meal or raised the kids or this or that or something in the way that mama did it. And you, if you shut your mouth, you need a two-by-four. You'd be over there and say, Mom, I want to hear another word of that. I want to hear another word. I love you, Mom. Zip it. She's my wife, and I'm standing with her. You need, she needs to know that, and she'll flourish in that. Okay. Don't, even, don't be cloudy on that issue. Leave and cleave and be one. And that often is, can't, sometimes we're not sure on that. Know where your first loyalty after the Lord lies. But she, she's assured of your loyalty what? When, when you involve her in things important to her. When you don't look lustfully at other women, be careful about that. We live in a day with uh, just, uh, we're just, we're just looking, you know? We're just looking and gawking. That's out. Look women in the eye. Have eyes only for your wife. When you make her and your marriage a priority, when you call her and let her know your plans, you should call her. Call her every day if you're far away. You should call her. Call her on the phone. I would never, I would never in days gone by hire anyone that, that faith didn't. Uh, I wanted her opinion. I wanted her opinion. She sees things I didn't see, and I would call her, and, and and she would know, and she would meet, and and some of you do that. Don't make stupid decisions. Get your wife's input. She's God's gift to you. You're not the Lone Ranger. Call her. Let her know your plans. If you're late, that's just inconsiderate. Number six and less. Your wife will feel esteemed when, when you open the door for her. When you say I'm so proud of the way you handled that. Those are life words. Wow. Very few people speak that way. You should be her cheerleader. When you try something new with her. That's exciting. It is. Faith and I have done that. We've jumped in the car in different times of gone on road trips. We knew what city we were going, going to go there, but it was so much fun. We'll stop and eat wherever. We'll stop and look at wherever. And now we're at the place until, you know, our legs fall off and my eye falls out and everything else. The kids are gone, that we can kind of do that. It's kind of fun, you know. Do something new with her. When you give her encouragement or praise with kindness and enthusiasm, boy, you look great. I love that. When you notice something different about her hair or clothes, that's tough for guys. Really, it is. I don't know why it is. I'm just not tuned in to, you know. Like you ask a man, what what color is your wife's hair? Oh, it's brown. Well, is it, what is? Well, yeah, it's, yeah, it's brown. Yeah, yeah isn't it brown, dear? You know, it's sort of like. I, we, and we don't notice. I don't know if we're not wired that way or what. Now, I'm looking at Faith, so I know you're wearing a blue top and a brown bottom there, uh, or pants, or whatever they call that. But, okay, but if I didn't make that mental note and she asked me tonight what I wear to church, I, would, I wouldn't know. I, you know, I don't know what it is. is, is, it, is it, I, we're not wired the same way or something. Faith can tell me what she wore to something four years ago. I'm just, like, amazed. Yeah, don't you remember we were there out to dinner and I wore this pink? I can't even remember what I ate, and that's really important to me. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? When you are physically affectionate with her in public, oh, it gives her security. Now, don't be, you know, kissing all the. Don't do that. You know, like, save, save it. Save it. Go, you know. But... Show your tender affectionate with her, like Ron's got his arm around Sue there. I love that, Ron. That's great. I like that. When you teach your children to show her and others respect, oh, that's very important. Very important. Your children mouth off to their mother; they know that their dad is right. Get over here. You speak to her again like that. They need to know that. Because they live, if they've got little ones, all day, they're beat up all day long. I mean, they're just pulled in all these directions. And then, you know, the little sinners are going to express that sin nature, and they maybe speak in a disrespectful way as they're going to their room. A little harushka will help, you know? that? Don't do that in school. My eighth grade science teacher used to do that. He was Russian, though. And when do you make her feel first in importance? And when you're proud of her and all that she does. Well, that's a get-started list. What do you think, huh? Talk about that. Men, that's, our, that's what God has designed us to be. Oh, Romeo, Romeo. That's you and that's me. That's what we're to be. We're training our loved ones to be like that. And set an example. Listen, if you'll model this, it's a picture, though imperfect, of Christ's love for the church. He's the, he's the groom, and the church is the bridegroom. And you know what? To have that kind of marriage today is so rare. It, it presents a tremendous testimony. People see that, and they go, what makes you so different? And it gives you an opportunity to say, it's the love of Christ. You see? That's what God is doing. It's a great apologetic. And may we go and do that.